This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, oh, goal! Mike Bar post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! This is very good of you to step in at very short notice to do a My 11. And what a My 11 it is. I'm, I cannot wait to discuss this topic, which we'll get to a bit later on. How are you, though? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I think the topic is actually very appropriate for my last minute stand in nature. So again, looking forward to talking about it. Okay, then. So Rob is one of the podcast Patreon users. And so Huge thank you for subscribing to the Patreon, and I cannot wait to discuss this My 11. But first, how did this all start? What's your story of uh, following Swindon? Well, Rich, I think not unlike you, I have a kind of on-off relationship with Swindon. So I grew, grew up in Swindon. I grew up on Burford Avenue, just in the shadow of the stadium. But I didn't go regularly as a kid. My dad was never into football. Um, he, he kind of pretends to like Tottenham occasionally to make conversation, but his heart's not really <laughs> in it. Um, and I, when I was a kid, I wanted to play football just like everybody else and got, got into it through the, the SSC and the community stuff with um, Clive Maguire and John Holloway through the 90s. I think John Holloway might still do it now, which is quite something. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be a footballer as did everybody at that age. 
uh, and got a few went to a few games, mostly through the kind of Junior Robins fan groups. I think I might have won tickets for my first ever game, in which case that competition kind of did exactly what they wanted to do in the whole fans of the future stuff. Um, but then I had a kind of period when I was about eight or nine, I think, where I started to realize that I probably wasn't going to become a professional footballer and got in a sock with the whole thing. So there's about a four-year period, which you'll notice in my team, there's a gap between about 98 and 2002, where I don't really know any players at all, apart from apart from players that were big on championship manager at the time. 98 and 2002 in terms of Sweden history, if you're going to miss any four years, I think that's got to be up there, hasn't it? Um, in terms of, you know, you missed approximately nothing. A bit of Mark Walters, some Ifianor and... Uh, and uh, George and Durr, but ultimately, especially at the tail end, I, I don't think um, you'll look back at that and go, no, oh, that was a shame, wasn't it? Um, mine, you know, was 2000, 2002, because as I've said before, I wanted a girlfriend and, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't balance the two uh, between the ages of 16 and 18. So, yeah, I mean, John Holloway... I don't know if Clive Maguire still does it. John Holloway certainly does. And I think if you looked at like the uh, the photo gallery for the Bristol Rovers game a few weeks ago where we dismantled them 3-1, you can see John Holloway celebrating in the uh, in the away end, which is wonderful. Yes, yeah, absolutely great. I'm glad to see he's still involved. When you had your, you know, four-year sulk, what brought you back into this? So I think I started listening to Radio Swindon for the match commentaries in the in the Brighton playoff season, as it unfortunately still remains in my head. Um, mm-hmm. As Swindon were on on something resembling an up, and I was kind of becoming a bit more aware of it from people at school. So I was listening to Radio Swindon, went to a couple of games, but not much that season. I certainly didn't go to the playoffs games. Um, I think. I have a vague memory of listening to the second leg of the playoff final in the car park of Frankie and Benny's in Greenbridge, uh, which was, <laughs> I've no idea why I remember that particularly, but uh, it, was, it wasn't a particularly great, uh, a great evening for any of us. No, absolutely not. And, you know, for all the times we've discussed the Brighton game, I think on the plus side, that season was so important to so many town fans and it brought a lot back in. You know, I, I really do think that what well, we hadn't had anything really of note, truly anything exceptional of note since 95, 96, which is like the first season you went. So, yeah. you know, that's a long time to go without any sort of real drama or success. And although obviously we fell at the, one of the last hurdles, it was enough to keep people going for the next wave of complete dross. Absolutely. And it was just starting to be the time when kind of internet football communities were really taking off. And I think because I didn't have a a large group of friends from real life who were into going to town, I kind of gravitated to, well, what would have been the This Is STFC advert forum at the time. And then not much long after that, the town end where I've kind of been been ever since. And that's been, been a big part of my continued relationship with Swindon is, you know, spending far too long on the internet talking about Generally not Swindon, but with with Swindon Town fans, um, kind of more latterly on Twitter as well. And that's kind of helped me, you know, keep that connection even as I've moved out of Swindon and kind of gone gone less. One of the best things I ever did was temporarily quit the Town End Forum and come (laughs) back because, and I'll tell you why, because I would not want to see the stats of my 
activity on that website from the day it started. Although I wasn't a prolific poster at the start, I was certainly in signed up on the first day and went from there. But oh my goodness. I mean, to, you know, I once had an accusation pointed about, you know, my way of being a sado, but I, I did back in the day, you know, naively left my laptop on quite a bit and it would be left on the town end forum. And therefore that would be just destroying my stats but yes no i think i've made very similar claims because certainly earlier on early on i didn't um didn't post a great deal but i've never been i've never stormed off and deleted my account as so many people have done which means that i've got a continuous login time from about 2006 which i did look at earlier today and it's it's well over a year of combined time which is really quite terrifying good lord yeah I, I i cannot stress this enough i did not leave in a in a huff i had stuff to do and i'm <laughs> I, I i really did have stuff to do i just needed a few months off it and plus my username was my name and that was a bit daft yes. so i didn't know i could have just sent a message to an admin and um they would have just changed it had i known that you know maybe i would have stayed on but you know i got what i needed done and then i came back that's that's what i'm saying anyways certainly no uh hissy fit but you know i used to enjoy watching the downfall and demise of people on a football forum unique memories i love this question because it really does separate um everybody who does this well i think my my, my kind of peak years of watching swindon kind of while i was at university and i living with a bunch of guys who were all lower league fans of one sort or another so they were, none of them were swindon fans but uh and this this list of teams will make you feel regretful for you know being lower league or not. But uh, my housemates supported Leeds, Brighton, and Huddersfield, all of which at the time were League One sides. Uh, <laughs> it's all gone rather better for them since, but uh, at the time, at least, it was rather good. Um, yeah. So you know, we we were kind of almost bonded on the fact that we weren't Premier League fans, and you know, the Leeds fan was still desperate to be part of that group, but kind of wasn't really. Yeah, I'm trying to work out who my house so Swindon. Bristol City, Aston Villa, Exeter City, and Chelsea. There you go. That that was my house. So that's a nice little mix there. But uni and football. I mean, my memories of uni football, especially if you went to a university where your team didn't play like I did, where we never played Plymouth. It was just soccer Saturday all the time. And to the point where I cannot and will not watch soccer Saturday or its, or its equivalent ever again. No, I think that was a very similar experience. And if you were if you were losing, you'd be trying to suggest that we should play FIFA instead because you kind of knew that from one nil down, it was likely to snowball quite quickly. But yes, we, we did, uh, luckily enough, have the the Leeds six nil on aggregate season while I was at university. So that was that was a highlight, but it was there were a few lowlights as well. <laughs> I remember coming in from playing football when I was at university and I opened the door and those who weren't playing just stuck their head around the corner with this sort of sympathetic look as if there'd been some sort of serious incident. And it was just to tell me that Swindon had lost 7-1 at Nottingham oh, Forest. Yes. Not not the game you want when you're, when you're <laughs> around a bunch of people who don't support Swindon and will, will not be commiserating you. <laughs> they were very sympathetic. Any Any other unique memories? Well, I can give you my brief brush with with dave of this this parish um which was a single away trip to wickham in 2010 so dave went to the university of bath same as i did but kind of a year ahead um, and drove me very kindly to wickham away 
right towards the end of that season. And what we hadn't realised when we set off is that it was an all-ticket fixture. So as much as Dave had a ticket that he was going to be able to take his place up amongst the Swindon fans, I would be stood in the in the home end trying to pretend I was a neutral person from, from London who'd just come because he liked football rather than a Swindon fan hoping to see them you know, claim a glorious <laughs> victory. Uh, I would probably have taken a nil-nil when I took my place in the stand, but obviously it wouldn't happen. It was two all. Alex Ravel scored, much no one's surprise. <laughs> and I think the worst moment for me was that uh, Wickham were given a penalty right in front of where I was where I was stood. And David Lucas then saved it. So I went for about four or five different versions of what I thought the correct emotions were, while secretly delighted that we'd managed to <laughs> scrap together this, this point towards the end of the season. Oh, I've got so many questions, none of them football related. First, what's Dave like as an academic peer? Well, I'd say he wasn't in my year, but um, we did do the same course. I can t- We did actually briefly do the same job at Zurich. I was on a, a work placement that he then took over from. So I think we, we, you know, we there are people out there who could compare our relative performance Although perhaps not either of us. <laughs> Is he a good driver? Uh, yes, he was perfectly tolerable. Although you know the the Barrett the the bar for good drivers at university is pretty minimal. Like anyone who has their own vehicle and isn't actively going to kill you is a very good taxi driver to have. And finally, what was his reaction when when you realised it was all ticket and he was like, "All right, then, bye." Yeah, I think you know we came to the conclusion quite quickly that uh, there wasn't much option other than buying another ticket or sitting in the car for three hours. So I was quite happy to do that. We did then have to go for a drink beforehand with tickets for different ends, which led to a few odd odd looks from various bouncers at the pubs that were there at the ground. No, that's fine. I used to go and watch Swindon City with, with my now wife and she used to go off into the uh, home end and I'd make my way merrily to the to the away. No problem there. Yes. Um, but there were no other uh, road trips with Dave. That was enough. Did you get phased out as a result of that faux pas? Yeah, it never occurred. I'm not really sure why, because we were at the same university for at least one more year after that. But um, you know, it never happened again. Awkward. We'll, we'll move yes. on from that. And, you know, we've got loads to talk about. So, you know, we'll, we'll go through what were some of the happiest moments that you've witnessed following Swindon, including favourite games? Yes. Well, obviously, being a kind of similar age to most of your contributors, I think there'll be some commonality there. So there's the there's obviously the three nil Leeds, which I was lucky enough to be at, oh. and the, the Charlton away game in the playoffs, similar, which I'm sure would be, you know, on anyone's list of best Swindon games if they were there. I think one that might not come up quite as often that I remember celebrating a lot whilst uh, as, a, as a home game was the the Leicester at home game in 2008, which was Barry Cor's last last ish minute equalizer where we were two nil down and came back to draw two all something like that game really caught me because just it was a good good goal anyway and it was the kind of perfect coming back from the dead against a team that were clearly a lot better than us they went on to win the league and we finished 15th but for for about 10 minutes there it was brilliant to have the upper hand yeah during those years in in league one they seemed to have like this revolving door of teams that are far too big for that division I guess League One still does because Sunderland and Portsmouth are there but yeah. Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield United nearer to the end we had you know Ipswich Town are there now it's just there seems to be just one team that just drops down and they get straight out like Wolves what the hell were Wolves yes. doing there uh, the, the, the strange thing is we have a bit of a knack of beating those teams or at least giving ourselves a very good good account of ourselves so if we, I look back I've got good memories of Swindon games against Leeds and Brentford and Leicester 
Swansea, Sheffield United, all of these teams who've gone on to either establish themselves in the Premiership or in Leicester's case, quite a lot more than that. I'm not having Brentford on that list. I'm not having <laughs> well, that from in terms of recent success. I'm not, not <laughs> commenting on their size, but uh, if you look back at that playoff game now and see what's happened to the two teams since, it's we've definitely come out on the wrong end of that ledger. Yeah, the the final games that we played against Leeds were so good because we just kept throwing away points against Leeds. We always gave them a game, but we kept on. Like, I think. Phil Smith, bless him, um, yeah. dropped the ball into his net once. And they were just, we, we, you know, the the cliche of give them too much respect. And when we tonked them twice, it was just, oh man, why we didn't go up that year? I'll never know. Okay, we'll move on though, because I'll, I'll start turning a very positive question into a net and misery fest. Um, heroes and villains, who who are who are the Swindon players that you know you love more than anything? Hopefully a few, you know, away from the usuals and also the villains. Give me villains as well. Well, apart from the obvious hero, I think the player that I think I liked more than most was Anthony McNamee. There was Mm. something about him that I just absolutely loved watching him play because every time he'd get the ball, you didn't know what was going to (laughs) happen. Wasn't entirely convinced that he knew what was going to happen. But when he was on the song, he just made defenders look silly. And that's kind of what I want from a winger, right? I know you get your kind of winger who's a bit more reliable and a bit more solid, but just the kind of player who can want one in 10 games have an absolute stormer is always going to be close to my heart. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because McNamee's just turned up as manager of a team, hasn't he? I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it's someone like Enfield Borough or something like that. And Pat Kanyuka with him as well. Um, okay. Right. That, so- is, that is a, a managerial duo to die for isn't it that is the dream team as far as i'm concerned um but yeah it's always great to see two great yes, names it's nice to see our ex-players doing a bit of management in the lower <laughs> leagues isn't it because luke garrard had a good good old go at it and i was always kind of expecting him to show up as a swindon manager for yeah. a while and obviously andy gurney was at western supermare for a long time yeah he was yeah and he's had a few um non-league bristol based i think um but not gone further than the Western gig. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. What about villains then? Give me some villains. Yeah, I mean, is Wembley Stadium a villain, Rich? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, it is. So I, obviously I've, I've come too young to go to the old Wembley for the Leicester game. So my Wembley record reads 0-1, and 0-4. We've not yet scored. I think collectively I've spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds watching Swindon get stuffed at Wembley. Yeah. And yeah, I'd still go again for the 0-8 that's probably due to us next. Yeah. yeah but that's that's maths. That's, you know, that's exactly a, what's going to happen. The pattern has been established, isn't it? So. Yeah. And we might as well just, you know, lay down our weapons and just let it happen. Let's make history, please. please. I think that's more or less what we did do against <laughs> Preston. Goodness. Uh, well, when the time is right, I want to do a deep dive on those playoffs because <laughs> that was not traumatizing, but it's it's a conversation because I was walking up Wembley Way and the general feeling was not buoyant at all when I was walking up there with a lot of people. It just felt like we were marching towards watching a 4-0 loss, which is exactly yeah. what happened. We'd very much limped our way there and uh, I think we all knew what was coming a bit. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do a deep dive on that. For sure. Now, the final question before we start talking about the My Eleven is rivalries, and that's really out of interest because, as everyone knows, I'm a West Wiltshireman, and you know my upbringing doesn't really point towards Oxford United, even though I do absolutely acknowledge them as our main rivals. What's it for you as a Swindonian? 
No, I think I agree. I think my era means that for me, Bristol City are our main rivals and Oxford are a local non-league club. But I, I'm, I accept that that's no longer the case, which is quite disappointing. But mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I can't really... I can't really stop thinking of Bristol City as kind of the, the team that I most want to see us beat, but that might just be because I haven't seen us beat Oxford. And when that happens, it might uh, might feel different. Um, but beyond that, no, I can't really bring myself to have much of a rivalry with Bristol Rovers or Forest Green or kind of the League Two equivalents. Um, maybe Cheltenham, just because they always beat us, which is deeply distressing, um, but not not on kind of any local basis. Um, does does Steve Evans count as a rivalry on his own? It's not a club, obviously, <laughs> but any team managed by Steve Evans instantly goes very, very high up our list of dislike clubs. And I think probably Joey Barton, if he doesn't end up in in uh, managerial purgatory, is heading in the same direction. Well, that man is trying to lose his job at the moment. I'm allowing Steve Evans. Uh, it's in in terms of management history. I think a few years ago was very much our Cuban missile crisis when it when Lee Power was really gunning for Steve Evans. And I think that was real, that, that interest. And, oh, I mean, Steve Evans doesn't yeah. really do that badly at his clubs, but it's Steve Evans. Oh, no, no he's, he's, he's absolutely not a bad manager, particularly at our level, but he's clearly a bad human and that counts for something at least. <laughs> yes, Perhaps it does. there's a, a low stranger special there. You know, what happened, what would happen if Steve Evans had become our manager? A terrifying prospect, but. Championship football, but we're miserable. Which At is what ex- cost? Well, championship football, championship level football, and being miserable is pretty much how we spent the last four years of our last in in the championship. So it might be okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've not seen us play in the championship. Obviously, nobody has, but uh, not since you know when I was about seven or eight years old and couldn't really appreciate the the difference in the quality of football. Oh, we took it for granted. We took it for granted. And then who would, how were we to know it wouldn't be back for 20 plus years, eh? Never mind. Okay, let's talk about your 11. And I've already said over and over again, how happy I am with this. It's a real wheelhouse one for me. And we haven't even named it. Um, So please tell me, what is your 11? Okay, so I have an 11 of short term loans. Yes. So they're idea here was that I, I rather like the concept of short-term loans they've kind of gone out of football a bit now you seem to get six months or a season long but back in the good old days of the mid-2000s you used to get this player who would pop up on a Friday night they signed <laughs> on for a month and they'd be straight into the first team the next morning and more often than not that might be their only appearance because they'd be dreadful but there was just something about showing up and finding a new name on the team sheet that was all rather all rather enjoyable and some of these players were were pretty good. Uh, I'm, some of the players who didn't make the eleven were were pretty terrible. I suspect you might mention a couple as we go, and I think everybody at home will be thinking of a few. I did briefly toy with a a, a bad short term loans eleven, but it was eight strikers and Marco Tuamela. So <laughs> oh, poor old Marco! But it yeah. was not very balanced. No, and he was bad enough in a back four, let alone on his own. Um, Oh, I'm so happy with this. So, I mean, it is very much generational. And I love the fact that we're actually talking on the, you know, the the day recording is the 26th of October, which is the 48th anniversary of one of our very first short-term loans joining the club. Jimmy Gabriel joining for a month in 1973 from AFC Bournemouth, where he played the classic one-month loan amount of games, six which is, is, perfect. is absolutely perfect. They knew how to do it back then. I think 
short-term loans, I interpret short-term loans, and we'll go through your rules in just a moment, which I've approved. I cannot stress that enough. I see them as one month and then one month rolling, which I think went to three months. And you can't do them anymore other than the um, the goalkeeper um, seven-day loan. You can't do one-month loans anymore. So it, it's it's a real relic from a not too distant you know past but um I used to like you say there was nothing better than just especially in the school years just oh we've just signed you know we've just signed Chris Casper oh wow I've seen him on my mate's team photos of Man United worn without knowing who he is for years so and here he comes um and it was always never really an in-between it was either a young rookie or somebody who really is at the tail end of their career, looking for a few games here and there. It just nowadays, it seems almost farcical that you could just bring in someone for a month just to uh, fill the gap. Yes, there's been a bit of a, a conversion where players who are contracted to the club seem to get shorter and shorter contracts and loans seem to get longer and longer to the point where this season there is essentially no difference between the players who are on loan and contracted because none of them are contracted beyond next summer anyway. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that... People like Decanio killed the one-month loan. <laughs> yes, he certainly has uh, features on this list more than once. <laughs> so many players brought in that, you know, I think we had about three squads the year we won League Two. Um, yeah, the, with... the length of the page on Rich Banyard's site for that season <laughs> for squad is phenomenal. And uh, it's a Sporkle quiz on its own, right? Some of those players I could not, could not name, you know, five minutes after looking at the list. Oh, and the Sporkle quizzes are available. Um, the rules for this one, um, I'll break it down for people. So you've been quite kind, maybe to yourself more than anything, for those who like playing along while listening, because I know a few people have pens and paper ready to do their version. Um, no more than six months, which, yep, fine. Um, no more than 20 appearances. And any player cannot have signed permanently or come back in any playing capacity so we're going for one stint you know no junior lewis who comes back the following season certainly no jarell eiffels who you know has a million loan spells before joining permanently and going on to play 200 appearances just a good old money diagraga either who was very much the perfect option until he returned on a perm yeah and Loads of players um, are eligible for this from your time supporting Swindon, which we're going from 1996 onwards. And you say that, certainly in your notes, you say that your first game was a 2-2 draw against Bournemouth. I'm absolutely thrilled to tell you that there was also a short-term loan in that side. Uh, The late David Priest, one-month loan from Derby. Really good player at the tail end of his career. So who, who, who hasn't made the bench or the final 11 that you thought about? Well, the, the last player dropped from my shortlist was Owen Tudor-Jones, who mm. I think was was a pretty good footballer, uh, quite good on free kicks from memory, and someone who he definitely tried to sign after his loan, but it didn't didn't work out for whatever reason, and I think went on to play for Norwich, possibly. Yeah, he, he went to Norwich, probably, I think, won the title in League One with them, I think, and then yes. injuries let him down. But him and Robson Carnu pretty much saved Swindon under Danny Wilson that season. And Gordon Greer, too. Um, so it was loans save the day. Absolutely, yes. So the da- Danny Wilson clearly was a fan of this 11 because the first thing he did was bring <laughs> in three short-term loans. Yes, he did. And, and well, we got it right. Um, a few names 
from sort of certainly my time supporting them um, and when you were a, a wee guy as well. So Tony Grant, um, I would say Chris Casper's already mentioned. We went for a double um, in November, all 97-ish. Tony Warner and David Thompson. David Thompson, you know, flirted with England call-ups later in yes. his career. Michael Carrick, of course. Uh, You know, um, I think Dion Burton, Dion Burton had already gone to a World Cup before he ended up at Swindon many moons later. And then you've got those sort of what I consider shameful loans like Des Linton and Michael Mika, where I think they 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 cut they join us on loan from a division below shame. Yes, it's not ideal, is it? And and certainly now over the last few years we've had a few loanies from Bristol Rovers and that just doesn't feel like the kind of club whose whose cast offs we should be shopping for does it but uh, actually the Bristol Rovers ones have both done pretty well so they did didn't they I mean we had was it Kyle Bennett and we had uh, Ronan Rollin Manayese yeah Manayese yeah. they, they're, they're both still in the pro game so they must, absolutely they which is more than can be said for a lot of our loans Here's a question for you Rob what is and I, I'm completely on board with this notion what is the club of, you know, that it's just not acceptable to take someone off on loan from? Like, if you saw it, you're just like, no. And it doesn't have to be rivalry. It could be pure snobbery. Well, for pure snobbery, it's, it's not really someone we've mooted having loans from. But it was a real shock a few weeks ago to find out that we were in the same division as Sutton United. <laughs> like that, I, I feel a bit like... I, you know, I've reversed my position from when Leeds fans were being snobby about being in League One, but I cannot believe that we are in the same division as Sutton United, and I think it's going to take some time for me to get over. Yeah, it's definitely one of the games where at the start of the season you're like, please, please, please. Essentially, it's Sutton, Harrogate and Barrow are the ones where you're just like, oh, please win these games because, oh man, I remember when they were like, deep into non-league and teams like Fleetwood who are the league above. I, I don't think I'd like us getting a loan from a Fleetwood side in the league. I think that would be a body blow to my morale, my yeah, snobby, it, snobby morale. It's, it's not so much losing to those teams because I'm thoroughly used to losing to them, but we're supposed to do that in the FA Cup, FA Cup first yes. round rather than in the league. That's the traditional Swindon time to lose to a team like that. Yes, you're quite right. Sutton, their, their duty is to knock us out at the first round of the FA Cup, not take three points from us. I quite agree. And if they were to loan us somebody, oh my goodness, I would be mortified. And that says more about me than anything else. Okay, let's go with the bench then. So we'll whiz through the bench as we always do. First, first player, very recent uh, this year, actually, 2021. Goalkeeper, played eight times, should have played more, but I think there was trouble in, well, I don't think we can call it paradise, but it's Mark Travers. Yes, absolutely. There was a very brief period last last season in January where it looked like everything was going to be all right. And we brought in Travers, who was clearly an enormous upgrade on Mate Kovash. We brought in a couple of other players who looked quite competent. And as much as John Sheridan wasn't impressing, he hadn't gone full Jurassic John yet. Uh, and then, then things went very wrong on deadline day and, and carried on, got getting worse from there. Yeah, I think Travers was last seen sprinting off the pitch, never to be seen again. And since then, he's gone on to play for like Bournemouth regular and the Republic of Ireland. So yes, probably made the, the right suggestion decision. at the time was always that he was recalled to because Asmir Begovic was injured, but he didn't play a minute, did he? No, he won. He won the Dorset cup or whatever it was didn't he and that was about it he scored I think 
Oh, good for him. Next one was a lone player from a local side. Our good friends, Bristol City, uh, gave us this player in 2015, where he played 14 times. It's Adam Elab. Yes, he was. If you were asked to draw a lower league centre half, you'd probably have drawn Adam Elab, wouldn't you? He he looked like a, a proper defender, <laughs> and, and most of the time he sort of acted like one as well. Like he yes. certainly had his limitations as a footballer, but he he did a job. Uh, I believe his his brother literally is a professional rugby player, and you could sort of see that. Yeah, absolutely, you could. Um, and it, one of those classic internationals where one manager sort of plays him several times for Egypt, and then a new manager comes in or new coach comes in, and he's never called up again. The next one loaned from Fulham in two thousand and five, scorer of, of a goal that I absolutely loved at the time. Son of Terry, it's Neil McDermott. Yes, absolutely. I, I think I can confirm he's on the bench entirely because of that goal that you refer to. So against Bristol City, I think possibly my first local derby, certainly the first one I remember. But if I close my eyes, I can still see that free kick, the kind of quick pass out to the right and slots it past uh, Adrian Albasso, it must have been. Yep. Just with the, with the wall kind of looking looking over to see if that was allowed. And it was just a very enjoyable moment. He jumps into the, the town end and I couldn't tell you a single thing about any of his other appearances. No, and that'll do, really. Um, all he needs is that moment, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I watched that game in Boston, Massachusetts on TV. And one thing when I got back, I remember watching the Sky Sports montage to Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Um, where it sort of all builds up. Matt Haywards is seen pointing because he, he played for Bristol City. Yeah. And then it just ends with the the solo from Freebird with Rory Fallon just skidding across the floor playing air guitar. It sounds deeply uncool. It was uncool, but oh my goodness, I watched that video a lot. Oh, perfect. It's, it's a, a memory for all of us. And, you know. <laughs> Highlights videos from the early 2000s have dubious soundtracks pretty much whenever you find them on YouTube. And also surprisingly terrible picture quality. I don't remember how bad video was at the time, but you watch the highlights back now and it's just, you can't tell which player is which. It's so bad. (laughs) STFC world was not good. It was not good at all. Um, Final point on Neil McDermott for that goal, because as you quite rightly pointed out, it might as well be the only thing he did. He, his celebration into the town end is not seen enough for my liking. I know it's a booking, but he goes right in there. Yeah, especially for Aloni. I think it was quite early in his spell as well. So, you know, I, I guess he must have, you know, known, known how the rivalry worked and things like that. But it's kind of what you expect from a more local player or a more senior pro than a kind of Aloni who's just done it. But I, it must have been his first professional goal as well, I suspect, and possibly his only one, because I don't think he did a great deal else in football. I think he might have got another one at Swindon, but as you quite rightly pointed out, he, he didn't have a full career. I think he went became an agent after after playing. Um, I think next one, Richie Wellens era, 2019, um, haunted us recently. 16 appearances for Swindon, Theo Robinson. Yes, Theo Robinson, who I remember as a player we were going to sign sort of about 15 years earlier. Yep. And Andrew Fitton getting very cross with his agent. Uh, but uh, he did eventually sign for Swindon quite a long time later and uh, yeah, did a very, very good job at a sort of season tailing off that kind of classic season that we seem to have where you got to a sort of about March, April time and nothing's really happening. But Theo Robinson was happening and he was firing us to mid table with slightly more respect than we might otherwise have had. 
yeah, he, he relegated Notts County. I see that as a much bigger deal than a lot of people do. The fact that we sent, you know, we can't take all the credit for, for Notts County's poor season, but we we put the final nail on one of the oldest football teams in the world's football league tenure, which was a very long time. Yes, it's one of those things where I, I'm not keen to crow because I suspect that the, for, you know there, but for not much grace of God goes our, goes us this season. So, mm, yes, it, you know I think my obsession with it is not out of gloating; it's more out of like. Wow, man, we are the team that relegated Notts County. That's crazy. It was a great game as well. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Next one is, you know, the bane of our existence for most of his career. But for one joyous stint, he was ours from September 2009 to January 2010, where he played 12 games, scored some goals, but not as much as he seems to score against us. I still half expect him to bring himself on when manager it's Alex Revel, 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 Revel. Yes, all of those. <laughs> yeah. So, so famously, he always does score against us. I'm fairly sure he has more against us than he had for us, um, and probably by some distance. I remember him when he was with us as something we didn't have very much of at the time, which was a sort of quite good striker. It was an era of town where we seemed to have one brilliant striker at a time, and then some absolute dross backing them up. <laughs> And Ravel kind of it was this this sort of quite okay striker, and we haven't had too many of those ever. But certainly during that period, it just we, it was one pole or the other. Yeah, and we and we know what ended him really, um, and that is a certain signing from Paul, wasn't it? Yes, that pretty much ended our interest in him. Yeah, and I wonder if that's kind of the footballing equivalent of kind of being knocked out of the World Cup by the winners. You kind of look back on that and go, okay, well, Charlie Austin is quite a good footballer. I don't really mind losing my place to him in the way that I might have done losing my losing my place to another kind of League One journeyman. Yeah, also he scored two goals and they were both in the same game. So also not, <laughs> <laughs> not the greatest form at all, but in he goes. Um, and that's your subs bench. Any, any others that you felt, oh, that was close. No, I mean, maybe I should cover the, the obvious omissions. I suspect that anyone who's making this team at home has, has started with Carrick, Given and Milner. Mm-hmm. And, I, and none of those three are in my team, ostensibly because I didn't see any of them play. I I'm, was conscious when I put this team that I didn't want to just make it a team of people who went on to have great careers after town, although there's a couple of those in this team. But uh, yeah, none of them are in this list. And the one I was most regretful leaving out was Lee Holmes, who kind of breaks the rules on two counts but feels like he spiritually belongs because he had two two short-term loan spells there were seven seasons apart but he managed 21 appearances between the two yeah Lee Holmes is, a, is an odd one because when he signed for us originally he was seen as one of the great new hopes of English football uh, when he was at Derby like you know if you read any so sort of, young then yeah, very very young and if you drew I think they Derby County had people like Huddleston Holmes, yep. um, Lee Camp, I think maybe yes. as well. Was it Lee know? Camp and Lee Grant? They had yeah. both, both young keepers, didn't they? Yeah, and, and these were seen as the future. So when when Andy King got him first time round, I was like, wow. Now the second time round, it, it hadn't worked for him, you know, the, like what we expected. But week two weeks before, he was doing a lap of honour around the Kassam, having beat Swindon in the league. And and he was giving yeah. it the absolute big guns. And when he signed, I was like, oh, and it just felt like 
you're you've ditched Oxford to play at Wembley and get a winner's medal. And that, that, although understandable, felt a little bit icky to me. Yeah, it isn't quite right. And it's it's a good example of how as much as as much as they'll they'll say they do, most professional footballers don't really understand rivalries in the sense that fans do. And you know, that's to be expected. But uh, it was it was a career move for him and probably a bit of spite from us. Row. Row. Oh dear. Ball. Oh dear. Second. Swindon really back in it. Ball with a second. Three all. Past three nil up. Now three all. Let's move to your actual 11 then. So here we go. Short-term 11. Firstly, in goal, 19 appearances. A few people that could have, you know, found themselves in this position. August 2005 to December of the same year. Not a great season for Swindon, but he's in there. It's Tom Heaton. Yes, it is. So this is, I think, the first season where I had a season ticket. Uh, The end of Andy King's rain and the start of Ifeonora's. Uh Heaton was brought in to compete with Reese Evans. I, I seem to, this was the Thorpe and Curitan season, wasn't it? And I think mm-hmm. everyone was convinced that that, that that partnership was going to fire us to the the heady heights of the top of League One and it, or, or Division Two as was, and uh, it didn't quite work out in that way. I, I from memory, there was a, a goal that Heaton conceded where he would he jumped onto the ball or something like that mm-hmm. and made himself a bit of a soccer am fixture for a few weeks yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, wasn't a great one but apart from that i think him being okay yeah um, certainly better than colin heath who he was on loan with at the same time who's <laughs> such a non-entity that I, he doesn't even make the bench in this 11 no colin heath was one of those you know when we signed him like oh i use him in championship manager and then what would be a football manager and Tom Heaton's big moment was saving Scott Murray's penalty in the game we've already talked about with Neil yes. McDermott. But then he came off his line or whatever, and Scott Murray scored the uh, the retake, and that could have been his moment. But in fairness to Tom Heaton, he's done all right for himself, hasn't he? Yeah, it certainly didn't seem to ruin his career. <laughs> Took a while to get you know that England cap, but he got it, and he's back at Manchester United. So we should see him back at loan on loan at Swindon in about a year's time, maybe. Um, yes, down the Digby Highway. <laughs> oh, please. Um, next up is your left back, uh, an early Decanio Loney, and there were many, many thirteen appearances. And from my memory, he was very solid, but I didn't really know how to pronounce his surname. But we're going to go for it. Left back is. Liam Reidholsch. Yes, I think Reidholsch was kind of what Radio Swindon went with more often than not. So that was that was been my my go if you'd let made me do his name. Uh, yeah, like you say, first part of that Decanio season, and he he was perfectly solid. And I, I think really he was only discarded because Decanio was always of the opinion that a new player was better than an existing player, no matter <laughs> who the respective people were. It was needed the new toy, and I think Rydalsh was was jettisoned for something that looked a bit flashier, kind of towards the end of that that first first part of the season. Yeah, McEvely, I can understand, but he was way better than Chiboki, way better. Oh, Twitter will be after you for that. There's a lot of Alessandro Chiboki love still still latent on Twitter. Yeah, and I'll and I'll sing the song as well, but. You know, facts are facts. <laughs> Liam Reidholz. There's probably better. There's probably some research to be done into the degree to which 
football fans overrate players with good songs. I'm, I'm pretty confident that that is a thing. And I think you're fast and loose with the term good songs too, <laughs> if, if I'm honest with you. Um, but that's a different conversation. Yep, good. It's better than the Andolo effort. It absolutely, goodness me. Um, he was only joking, weren't you, Dan? Okay, so right back. A highly emotive name in modern times and at the time because he scored one of the most sort of celebrated penalties in recent years at, at the Valley, of course. 15 appearances for Swindon in 2010 at the tail end of the season is Stephen Derby. Yes, absolutely. So obviously Derby has, has kind of come back into Swindon fans, fans' knowledge in the last couple of years with the, the Derby Rimmer charity and you know been doing great work with that. But he, he'd make this team entirely on football alone, I think. Um, coming at the back end of that 2010 playoff season, um, that penalty... After Nicky Bailey skied his, would certainly write his his legend in one game. He played really well as well. And I think from from memory in that game, after Greer got sent off, he was sort of a makeshift, sort of both centre-back and right-back and somehow managed to hold things together. Uh, and I think was was very unlucky to see Kevin Amankwa preferred at Wembley. Yeah, Danny Wilson didn't seem to know who he preferred at that, at that part of the season, did he? Kind of went between because... People wanted Derby to start purely on the basis of that penalty, but you know, Amankwa also scored a penalty in that shootout. Yeah. But but oh, his reaction was glorious. But yeah, I don't think it's a what if moment. I, I think oh, no, Derby... I, don't, I don't think that game was decided by our choice at right back, but uh, more the choice of curator at Wembley. I think possibly more so that Amankwa's uh, own goal wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't given for whatever reason. True. But but yeah. Um, a great guy, Stephen Derby, and in he comes. Centre-back, yes, please, for this one, because we're going to go all the way back to 1997. Um, I'm almost certain he got England under-21 caps on the basis of this loan spell. 12 appearances, it's Marlon Brooms. Yes, it is. He is the only 90s loanee in my 11. I'm not really sure why he's stuck in my mind over the years when when better players didn't, but uh, I think, well, I'm fairly sure it was probably that goal against yes. Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if he played, you mentioned England 21s. I don't remember if he played in the under 21s game that was at the county ground, the England versus Switzerland game, which I, I remember going to with my uncle and finishing in a deadly dull nil nil. So he oh. may have played in that, but I should probably have looked it up. I'm pretty sure he did. I went to that game too. And my main memory of that game is Rio Ferdinand limping off injured. Switzerland scoring a goal that was disallowed and seeing a kid in an Oxford shirt in the town end, which just seems like so stupid. Not that it mattered. It's an England game, but it was just like they're doing that for the flex. I'm sure as an adult that fan tells tales of the time he took town end on his own. (laughs) Yeah, I've got the starting lineup here. Chris Day, Rio Ferdinand, Marlon Brooms, Matt Carbon, Jamie Carragher, Richie Humphreys, Marcus Hall, Lee Bowyer, Chris Holland, Stephen Hughes, and Darren Huckabee. Oh, what what names from a from a bygone era? Yes, imagine that list of players as promising young youngsters. Time is a funny thing. They were they were the players that were going to win us Euro two thousand. I have you know. Yes, I mean, perhaps Rio should have been, but the rest perhaps not. In he goes. The other centre back we have is a recent one. Uh, a medal winner, nine appearances for Swindon at the tail end of the 2019-2020 season. Just an insatiably long name, Romani Edmonds-Green. What you were going to do the middle names as well, Rich. He's oh. got four of those. 
Do we know them? I did. I did look them up earlier, but I haven't written them down, unfortunately. But you can you can have a good go later on, perhaps. But yeah, I think that was the thing that stood out most when we signed him. We can look him up and assume that somebody had been playing with his Wikipedia page, but then it turned out that was actually his his correct name. But um, actually, more more than a handy defender, and I think he was he was coming into his own just as the season was suspended. I suspect that he wouldn't actually have been eligible for this team if the season had completed, but. Uh, he, he is eligible. He played nine times and he also played in the last town game I saw live, which was the, the win over Exeter City at the start of February. River Miguel Joseph are the middle names. A name within a name. Absolutely. You'd be, you'd be quite happy just to be called River Miguel Joseph, wouldn't you? But... Over the moon. Absolutely over the moon. Yeah, really good player. One of the players where, you know, Swindon fans, all football fans, always look to former players whenever we're looking around. Especially, I guess, now that the pool of footballer is so vast like we there's no way you can predict Tyree Simpson joining Swindon or Alex Gilbert but you can always go well we'll get Romani Edmonds Green back and one of those classic had we still been in League One we probably could have got him back but I think he was really good and he, he was a part of that side all the part his job was to get the job done and I think we would have with him at the back Absolutely. I think he'd be a very solid partner for Marlon Brooms, although perhaps not to the standard of his England 21 colleague. <laughs> Next one, we're going to the left side of midfield. We're going back to the relegation season. Um, definitely one of the major names from that time in, in terms of performances. 15 appearances for Swindon. It's Hamia Buatza. Absolutely. And, and kind of as we, we mentioned, various prompts for short-term loans and a classic one was a new manager coming in would almost certainly find a one-month loan as their first signing uh, and he was Ify Anora's like quite a lot of lot of players he was brought in to try and write a listing ship and I think he did a pretty good job in a, in a very difficult and, and quite quite poor team really cutting in off the left and I think he scored a few few decent goals uh, and then ten, oh, four or five years later he shows up in the World Cup playing for Algeria which was you know, a quite nice surprise in the days before we had internationals of our own, just to see anyone with any sort of Swindon link playing internationally. Oh, there's nothing better than a World Cup when there's a Swindon link. I get fully on board with it. And I've been livid for two World Cups now on Luongo not getting on. The, the first time, yep. that's fine. The second time was just mean. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've never had such strong feelings about Australian selections <laughs> as I have over the last two World Cups. That's incredible. Um, next one. Right side of midfield now, 15 appearances in 2002, Jimmy Davis. Another, another player, of course, with, with kind of tragedy in his, in his back biography. But uh, I, I think a little bit of honesty time. I think he's the only player in this team I actually haven't seen. I don't think I ever saw play live, but I have a kind of emotional connection to him pretty much entirely through Championship Manager 2001-2002. <laughs> on which he was a bit of a goal machine. I've got a feeling he was a forward on that, but I think he played right wing more often in real life. He was also the kind of perfect example of what a short-term loanee should be. He kind of came in, went away again without before too long, but kind of left left good memories in the in his wake. Yeah, fiercely popular amongst um, Swindon players at the time. And, you know, I think he's one of the early examples of that modern sort of phrase, you know, never fall in love with a lone player because, you know, Swindon fans really took to Jimmy Davis during his time. And obviously the way it ended and, you know, the news coming through on that opening day against, against Sheffield Wednesday, when new players were just looking around and seeing their new teammates just absolutely 
gutted with the news that come through just just really really sad end yeah and then there was the the friendly against his his hometown club wasn't there where his was his mum spoke on the pitch oh, his mum yeah. spoke against Notts County yeah. um she came at the to the county ground and gave a speech and then we absolutely trashed Notts County which probably had Steve Mildenhall in goal for them um but yeah really really emotional time it was really really sad um but in he goes and deservedly so let's move to the center of the midfield now and you know it seems to be a pattern here but here's another relegation season player uh, 14 appearances between uh, january and may 2017 rowan ince yes I, I think you're right but loans like this do tend to pop up in the second half of seasons where we're doing badly because you see managers kind of thrashing around for any sort of short-term fix and to be fair rowan ince was was exactly what the doctor ordered in that sense we I looked back at the squad for that 16-17 season and the midfield options we had were Connor Thomas, Sean Murray, Anton Rogers and Charlie Colquette alongside mm. Gladwin and I think Doughty was there on, on one of his many short-term loans <laughs> and you can see why adding Rowan Ince to that midfield might have improved it quite dramatically. Yes yes and of course he scored a magnificent goal and that's all that, that, that's all that matters. Yes and you know added his name to the endless speculation of of player who played for town for a bit coming back which seems to rear its head every every year for a few years afterwards we should get get Roman Ince back and uh, that will solve all of our problems but he never did come back no he didn't um and he's now drifted into non-league he's at Woking now but he is an international can you name his his, his nation is he is he Montserrat or is that was that Gerald Eiffel no, no, no. He was St. Lucia if he committed. Ah. But you're absolutely right. It's Montserrat. Well done. That's very nice. good. Happy with that, aren't you? I absolutely. I, I promise I won't edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving to uh, the other side of the centre midfield role. And I want to say straight away, I look at this player with some regret that we didn't play him more. Um, 19 appearances for Swindon in that so close uh, but so far, season of 2014-15, it's John Swift. It certainly is. And I think he's one of those players who, if he had played for Swindon in any other season, he would have been the star, the centre point of the team. And yet, this year, the midfield was Luongo, Kasim and Louis Thompson more often than not. Yeah. Uh, I think, was he brought in to cover Kasim and Luongo while they were at the Asia Cup? Was that kind of the principle of the thing? Sounds logical. Yeah, and obviously neither of them really returned the same player they left, sadly. Uh, and he probably should have started ahead of them more often. But uh, when he did play, he showed an awful lot of ability on the ball. Um, he, he got injured for the playoffs, didn't he? He wasn't not selected. He was genuinely injured, I think. He was poorly, him. wasn't he, as opposed to injured? He suffered an, like, an illness, didn't he? He was hospitalised from, from, from absolute memory only. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure I remember him thanking the hospital staff in an article. Um, right. Yeah, that, well, I have you know people were shouting down saying, "What are you talking about, Rich?" But I swear there was there was an illness in there. Well, I suppose being injured was no no blocker to getting into the eleven for that playoff final. So he probably had to have something else. He, he might have have to be <laughs> Superman to um, saved us in that final. <laughs> um, Absolutely, but we'll never know. Let's move to the forward line now. Some two. Big names in different ways. The first one um, saved us in the 2008-2009 season in his 20 appearances. 
went on to become a firm favourite with the Welsh national side. It's Hal Robson, Hal Robson Carnu. Absolutely. So yes, uh, a mention for Wales. It's always always good for yeah. the Pod contributors. Uh, and yeah, I think we sort of mentioned earlier on that Danny Wilson's first act when he he got took over the the job after that strangely convoluted appointment process was to to bring in three loanies, and it was him, Gordon Greer, and Owen Tudor Jones, which is is three. You have to take all three hits by the standard of of these short term loans. Um, he was a player who I think frustrated a lot of people because. He didn't really pass. I don't know. I don't know if that was entirely my memory, but he, he was one of these players who pick up the ball and attempt to beat every player in the other team twice before scoring himself. Uh, and when you are that player, four goals in I think his twenty appearances was, is not a great return. Uh, and it's only made worse by the, when the player that you're not passing to, who's in space, is Simon Cox. No, that's right. I think we were just generally frustrated that season anyway, and you could see what he was capable of. You know, he'd go on to play in the Premier League to varying success, but yes. you know, he, he did a he did a good job. And I think when you're so sort of like desperate to stay up, and you've got players that you know do the stuff that Robson kind of was criticised for, it gets frustrating. But you know, his ability was not questionable. Yes, and also the perfect archetype of the the short term loan that you spoke of earlier, and that he he was he was a month and then extended for a month and then extended for a third month perfect. before it already expired. That's you know great areas, absolutely perfect. Levers on tender hooks every at the end of every month um, before finding out, and that is just the beauty of the short term loan. I'm not saying bring them back because it will just be carnage in the lower <laughs> leagues, but. Absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely. Okay, the final player. We're already at the final player, but what a player to end on, considering he only played six times in 2004. But boy, what an impact he made. And he was one of several sagas in the transfer market um, that decade. It's Darius Henderson or Darius Henderson. Yeah, I have a feeling that he was a Darius more often than not when it was when it was at the time. Um yeah, I was very surprised that he only played six games because I'm sure I could remember more than six games he played in, but uh, <laughs> apparently not. Um, yeah, so so one one month loan, which we we certainly wanted to extend and then then didn't uh, for for various financial reasons. I think we'd agreed a fee, and then for whatever reason, he, he wanted too much wages, or somebody else around somebody else might have been sniffing around at the same time, um, and went back to Gillingham and played all season in Division One. So. Uh, and we we signed instead Jamie Slabber and Michael Proctor, which was not quite the same standard of footballer, unfortunately. Absolutely. And in terms of sagas, they're quite inter- inter- intertwined, actually, because there were two sagas this, this season that I can remember. The first one was the Lee Mills transfer. So when we yeah. sold Lee Mills to Tottenham's Spurs... Tottenham's best endeavours. Exactly, the best endeavours transfer. And then we ended up with Mark Yeats, and we wanted Lee Barnard, I think it was, wasn't it? He went on to have a, a long career. But we got yes. Mark Yeats, who went on to do very well in, in the EFL. He fell out with Andy King after about a month um, and therefore was sent home. And then Tottenham didn't send us anybody else for three or four months, and that person was Jamie Slabber. And in in the, in between that, we had Henderson 
making his debut at Bristol City, one of my favourite away days ever, scoring a brace. We hadn't beat Bristol City for about five years before that game. Then he scored in the next game against Hartlepool, and then he scored in the next game against Walsall. He had a couple of games where he didn't score, and then on his last game against Blackpool, he scored. My birthday, I might add. And then it seems like he was going to sign, and then, as you say, he went off and did very well and earned a move to the Premier League with Watford, I believe. So, yeah, I was absolutely desperate for us to sign him. And again, considering what happened with our forwards the following year, it's a big what could have been had he stayed. Absolutely. He would have been he would have been a good player that year, but he would have been essential the following year. Um, but, uh, you know, the good news about his his short-term status was he was at least eligible for this 11, which meant that I had had a good striker to pick rather than the, the fairly lengthy list of terrible short-term loan strikers that I'm sure we could list off who might otherwise have had to been pressed into service in this 11. Yeah, and I've spent almost, you know, 18 years bemoaning the fact that he was only with us for a month. And now I know there's worth because he's in your 11. It's a classy example of planning ahead that usually eludes Swindon Town, but uh, this year at least we've managed it. <laughs> so, I mean, here's one. I'm going to put you on the spot here because someone's got to manage this team. And I suppose, yeah. given short term, it's either got to be a short term manager or a caretaker manager from, from history. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think caretaker is probably the closest thing because it's, it's someone who's been called up. You know, classically from the youth team, although I think actually the example I'm going to go for is actually from the first team squad. I think I'm going to go with the, the Tommy Miller, Dan, uh, Darren Ward combination that yeah. was given the reins very briefly, because I think that was that was an interesting managerial combo and probably not what we'd have picked at the time. One of those caretaker spells where you know they're not going to get the job. So, you know, in our time of following Swindon, we know, you know, caretakers in the 90s, they were never going to get the job. They're always the assistant managers, aren't they? Sort of like yeah. um, Andy Rowland and Mike Walsh. And then you've got people that do want the job. A.D. Williams, he brought in his own assistant manager as caretaker in Barry Hunter. You know, that's how serious he was for the job. And then you've David got... Byrne was always quite keen. I think oh, David you... Byrne did it twice, didn't he? Yeah, they're, they're kicking him out of this of this uh, of the criteria Absolutely. as a result so uh, Budgie definitely wanted it um, Picaretta was never going to take it but that would have been interesting wouldn't it and I think Bowden was only happy to babysit we had Matt Taylor look after his player it's very rare that we have players look after the side especially ones that are in the first team yes I think we must have been we must have been close to it at times last season because there wasn't really much of a, a background a backroom team to take over if uh if the manager had walked. Why Why do caretakers, especially in modern times, just not do very well? Is it? Is it because the players are like, ah, what are you going to do about it? I, I don't know. Is it a psychological thing? I don't know. But very rarely in Swindon history do they give the owners a headache. No, and I, I think, you know, there are sort of famous examples of people who've, who've got the job and then done terribly, not so much at Swindon. You could perhaps argue Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is that at the moment at Manchester United, just on a on a bigger scale. but um... A slightly bigger scale. What would, <laughs> what would Lee Power have done had he won all of his games? Well, that's a very interesting question. He had to have a long conversation with himself, uh, <laughs> thinking about the degree to which he loved the club. I mean, it would have been a very good opportunity to put himself on the payroll again. So that, that could have worked out well. That's a dig, and I liked that's it. A, it's a dig that's not making the edit either. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it probably isn't. Well, that was, 
what a what an 11 i really really enjoyed that 11 i do like those uh short-term loans how are you feeling do you feel like you've given the the criteria justice yes absolutely i think this is this is certainly my 11 i think if you were to make a team from scratch you would probably include your carricks and milners and i'm sure lots of people at home are furious to not see them included but uh I'm very happy with the team that we can put out. And um, yes, I very much enjoy doing it, Rich. Thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Rob, thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.